Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Trek Culture Podcast. We are your hosts, Sean Ferrick and Tom Roberts Finn, and we are delighted to introduce a man with whom we have wanted to collaborate for quite some time now, but he's only just returned our phone calls. The wonderful Steve Shives. How are you, sir? You are so welcome here to this pod. I can only give you about five minutes. <laughs> that is grand. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's wonderful to be here. It's wonderful to be here. Oh, no, I think this, yeah, this, this one is a, a long time coming. So I'm delighted yeah. to have you here. Um, now, let's disagree on absolutely everything. I, I was hoping that's how it would go. Yeah. What's the internet for, hey? Exactly. What are we going to agree? <laughs> Reasoned discourse. <laughs> I, I, will, I would love to argue as long as it gets deeply personal. <laughs> and, and hurtful. Good. Okay. Well, that's 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 good to know. So, um, I'll talk about the beard, Tom. If you just want to talk about just the absolute state. Of, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, cool. <laughs> I'm going to bring up some wars that happened a couple of hundred years ago. Let's get real personal. Come on. Yeah, oh, let's take it all the way back. I'm I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm absolutely here for that. <laughs> Can we keep things safe though, and maybe talk about Star Trek to begin with, and just let everything just? I would love that. Kind of devolve yeah. into pure hatred. <laughs> It'll yeah. be a, 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 a nice natural slide. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about uh, the hot topic for this week, which I suppose is the latest episode of Strange New Worlds. Ups and downs have already obviously dropped, so everyone knows this is actually my favorite episode of the season so far. Um, I look forward to Tom saying it's probably his least favorite episode of Star Trek <laughs> ever made. In fact, uh, like you know, he'd sooner watch Code of Honor before watching Charades again. No. <laughs> I, I don't even want you to joke about that. Uh, no, <laughs> I love it. It's it's an incredibly simple uh, idea. Spock, fully human, with a very you know, it's important to be very Vulcan at this function function um and just the comedy of it all and then the you know 
the ending, which kind of makes us all go like, maybe T'Pring kind of had a point in a mock time. But that's kind of, yeah, that, that's kind of my top line summary of the episode. What did we think? Well, I mean, Sean, we're not going to disagree about this. I, it was my favorite episode of the season so far, too. I thought it was marvelous. I loved it. I, it it does so many things that I love. I love when Star Trek does. I love when I see them anywhere, when they're as well done as this. I mean, it's it's structured as a classic farce, and Star Trek has done that in the past, usually with good results, sometimes with bad results, but usually they, you know, because when you, I mean, farce is such a highly structured form that really all you need to do is adapt it to whatever your show is and then just hit the beats. Mm -hmm. And that's what they do with this episode and they pull it off fantastically. I mean, um, it's, it's so funny. Ethan Peck is incredible in this episode. Uh, I was, when I reviewed it, the other day uh, on my YouTube channel with my friend Jason, we both kind of gushed about Ethan Peck's performance and his facial expressions, his reactions. There's so much great like reactive acting in this episode, which is super important for a farce because that's where 90% of the humor is like something happens and then it's <gasps> there's like that moment of where the oxygen's gone from the room and it's like, what's 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 he going to do? And the, the look of panic he gets on his face when he wakes up from the accident and they say, you're fully human now, surprise. And he just does that incredible turn off camera and has that absolute like thousand yards stare. Like, oh, my God, my in-laws are coming and I'm fully human. What am I going to do? And uh, it's I loved it. And I love the, the Nurse Chapel stuff. I really, really like this version of Nurse Chapel. She's um, been one of my favorite characters on the show since it started. Um, and yeah, it's she gets to do sort of the heartfelt stuff in her subplot while Spock uh, and uh, Amanda and Pike are doing like the wacky stuff in, in the main plot. And it just it works together so beautifully. I really, really like this episode. Yeah, I I mean, surprising there. There are things that I'm not sure about, but I did enjoy this episode and I, I saw that a lot of people in our sort of Trek culture WhatsApp groups weren't a big fan and i've seen people online not be a big fan of this episode and i'm a bit confused by it because it, it's a really difficult one to talk about because there's a lot in it i did like but it's the one it's the kind of episode that if i start picking apart it sounds like i don't like it because i have a lot that i'm like i'm not sure about and confused by but overall i had a fun time it did feel sometimes like i was watching a long snl sketch especially the, the sort of the further it went along where it's like you know like you said it's a farce it's the sort of what happens if we put them in this kind of hijinks and like that but it worked it did work and i i agree with what you said about nurse chapel it just made me think about how strange new worlds i think what it does best is it uses the characters that are in tos that didn't really have much of a character and it's elevated mm -hmm. them so much into something new including pike really pike oh, was pike most of all yeah yeah he was yeah. He, you know he was kind of textbook i'm captain in the cage and that was kind of it um so it's it's really nice to having so much more of him here's a big question for me well i like the episode we've established that let's get let's get into some nitty-gritty now they sort of uh, spock being human it, it was more spock being a teenager human uh, which was a choice, and I did like it, but it was confusing. There's lots of things like that. Why? Why was it specifically this? Is there is there actual, you know, in universe reasons why he is teenager human, or is it just the joke they went with? I now I, I might be wrong. I think it's uh, this this sudden this inrush of uncontrolled emotions as mm. a, 
the emotions are always there for Vulcans then and they do they they take great pains to make sure that we know that but then suddenly with all of these barriers taken down the I, I thought that the the comparison to puberty was a really good one because that is what you know those of us who have gone through puberty one day I I hope to go through puberty <laughs> That um, you know, when you go through puberty, there's just this hormones are everywhere, flying left, right, and center, and you will have technically unreasonable outbursts or uh, displays of emotion at different times, and you really see that a lot. Now, obviously, it's dialed up to eleven mm. uh, in this episode because of the obviously we only have so many minutes to get through. Although this, I think, this was the longest episode of the season. This was the full hour. It's an hour, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, which means like the next episode's going to be like 20 minutes or something just about. <laughs> um, and, and I just, I, I really loved it. They, I think it was, but to your point, I think maybe they were, wouldn't it be funnier if? Yeah. Rather than just human. Cause that's the kind of, like you said, Star Trek has done that sort of thing a lot. So it's, they had to find a new way of doing it, I suppose. So doing that that way. And it makes me think if um, Vulcans didn't, suppress their emotions would it be a race of teenagers because that would be a nightmare that would be an episode <laughs> i think they would be just uncontrollable you know it would just be pure chaos i mean the, the little glimpses we've gotten uh, throughout the various different versions of star trek that have sort of you know done the episode where the vulcan loses their logical control it seems like they're they're pretty wild yeah. you know like the reason why they locked everything down and said we're just doing logic no more emotions is because you know they were completely out of control so yeah and that was that was i mean it didn't affect my enjoyment of the episode at all but that was sort of a question i had of like okay so which is worse human emotions or vulcan emotions yeah. because because he does have that moment where it's like these human emotions are like nothing i've ever experienced it's hard to control i'm like okay that's worth it going with that that works but then later on in the episode he's like you know vulcan emotions are stronger than human emotions when he's talking to christina at the end and i'm like okay so which so so which is it <laughs> like are vulcan emotions harder to control and but you manage it because you have the discipline or is it human emotions that are harder to control because they're different than vulcan emotions but again it doesn't really you know, it didn't change how I felt about the episode at all, but it is that little question of, you know, okay, so wait a minute, which is supposed to be worse. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I wondered as well, like, and I saw people actually mention this online, there's the, the sort of funny scene where he's getting people's ad advice on how to be more Vulcan, mm -hmm. but is his mind wiped? Would he not be the best source of knowing how to do this? Like, that was sort of confusing. Well, he's, I mean, he's kind of looking at himself from the outside, though. Yeah. You know, it's sort of, it, to me, it's analogous to when you hear your own voice recorded for the first time. Mm. You know, right, you're yeah. like, is that how I sound? Yeah, you that's know? me every day. Uh, yeah. And, you know, it's kind of like that. Like, you know what your voice is like. You have a, a sense of it. But now that now that Spock is sort of, you know, been altered and is faced with having to recreate his former self with his current self he's like okay wait a minute now what did i do you know mm -hmm. like how how do i sound well how do i act what's the eyebrow thing do it you know what i mean like he needs to sort of get coached up on at that part i mean the real reason is that it's a funny scene yeah. and this is a funny episode and that was just you know a, and and it, it works wonderfully on that level but you know i do think it does make sense if you if you read it more literally and you know sort of rigidly view him as like these are real people and this is really happening and why would he act like this um i, I do think you can make sense of it in that way too because he's never he's never had to act like himself before 
he's always just been himself yeah. you know yeah i suppose i could relate to that in a way like have you ever done those questionnaires where it's like are you this type of person or this type of person and i'm always just asking my wife what am i because i'd read i'm like i don't know yeah. i don't know what i'm like you tell me what i'm like so that doesn't make sense actually. <laughs> it, it's a really good point it's like you know, there's it's it's our inner voice versus how that translates out as well and then we watch ourselves back like you're, you're perfect like insane when you hear your voice back for the first time or like when i watch any of like the first 50 ups and downs episodes i'm just like oh lord oh yeah. no oh and w when i first started doing youtube I, i'm completely used to it now i don't see any distinction at all but you know when i first started doing youtube videos and i would edit my stuff and i would you're seeing yourself the way the camera sees you as opposed to the way you look in the mirror Mm -hmm. which is just a little different, mm -hmm. you know, and it's just, it's a little uncanny. You can't quite, until you realize that's what it is. You're like, wait, what, what's wrong with me? And then you were oh, I've never seen myself like this before. I always see myself in the mirror and it's a little different, you know, but then once you do it thousands of times, like I don't even notice it now. I'm completely blind to it now. But at first it's like, what, wait a minute, what's wrong with me? Oh God, that's how I look to everybody else. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like, I don't, I don't live in a vacuum anymore. And that is horrific. And yeah. uh, anything I've I was... looked like this the whole time. Yeah. Why did no one tell me? <laughs> Let's talk about Spock's mom. I love Mia Kirshner. I love yeah. this version of Amanda. Um, I think she would be a great example of what you were saying, Tom, about taking an original series character who maybe the other direction from being ill-defined is she was an archetype in the original series. She was, this is what it looks like to marry a Vulcan. That, that, and that was her viewpoint character in that way. And then, of course, we get you know a few minutes of her in The Voyage Home as well, where her role is, remember, you have feelings. Um, and that's sort of it. Obviously, we get Winona Ryder's version in 2009, where her role is don't forget your parachute. Um, <laughs> and then... <laughs> um, but whereas this one has had, obviously, more room to explore the character, more room to grow. But also, I thought she is such a warm, loving, tragic character this week. I think there's a lot of tragedy in her story. Um, and Spock starting to understand what it would have been like to not have control of your emotions like a Vulcan does and yet still have to mask them. She has one of my favorite moments in the episode because it works simultaneously as comedy and as a moment that just really hits me in the stomach when she shows Spock how she can pick up the teapot without you know, it burning her and Spock's like, how do you do that? Doesn't it burn you? And she says, oh yeah, it, it, it hurts. But I've lived on Vulcan for so long that uh, suppressing pain has just become second nature. And it works as a joke because you're like, oh wow, that's, you know, but then it also works as like, oh man, that's her life. Like that's what she does every day. That's how she, you know, and, and she has chosen to do that. Like she can leave whenever she wants. She doesn't have to stay on Vulcan where everybody looks down on her. She chooses to do that for her husband and for her son, for her family. And that's her life, you know, and that's her strength. So it's, yeah, it's a fantastic moment. And again, yeah, I'm, I've been a fan of Mia Kirshner for as long as I've known who she was. I mean, I've been a fan of her since the nineties. Um, and it's, she's one of those actors that kind of, for me, at least like she's sort of gone away and come back a few times like i've seen her and stuff and then i haven't seen her and stuff for a long time and then she'll pop up in something else and i'm like oh hey there she is and she's always good and uh and she's great i love her version of of amanda was it just me that felt like she felt 
quite young. Like in real life, I looked up both their ages. She's only 10 years older than the actor who plays Spock. Um, obviously, that doesn't yeah. really matter when it comes to acting. But there, there was I've never seen this actor before. I didn't know who she was. So when she first turned up, I was like, wait, that that's his mum. She looks she looks like the same age as him. <laughs> yeah, and it's I mean, it's sort of like the um the uh the Dustin Hoffman and Bancroft thing in the graduate where she's supposed to be like the older woman yeah. and in reality there she was only like five years older than him or something. <laughs> um but you know, it's that kind of thing. And also if you compare her if you compare her version of Amanda to Jane Wyatt's version of Amanda from Classic Trek when she is clearly supposed to be like a middle aged woman and and i guess mia kirshner is middle-aged too but she doesn't look like how she doesn't look like how we imagined a six a a, a middle-aged woman would look in the 60s you know like mm -hmm. oh she's all she has wrinkles and she has gray hair and she's like she's a mom she's a classic mom you know yeah. and mia kirshner is definitely not playing the character that way so there's that inconsistency there but like yeah you know if you're if you're hung up on that, you're watching the wrong franchise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but like, no, yeah, I mean, she does seem she does seem younger than you might have imagined her, you know, yeah. from other versions. But I yeah, I, that, that doesn't bother me. I think she does no. a good job. And you could say the same thing about the uh, this version of Sarek, even though I don't I don't expect we'll see Sarek in Strange New Worlds. But we saw him on Discovery and he's not quite doesn't quite seem like, you know, as mature as the mark leonard version either yeah um you know but it's you know it's a different interpretation you know or for spock. A show i mean oh uh, sure nimoy always looked like he was 50 since he was born so there's always like it feels like a different kind of thing yeah. you have to accept that. that's there's there's an adjustment that i think it's not just with this show it's with a lot of modern acting um actors just always seem younger to me now than they do where like when you look yeah. at like w william shatner in the original series was in his mid thirties. And I look at like that version of Captain Kirk and I don't necessarily see him in any particular age, but I just think, oh, that's a grown up. Mm -hmm. you know? Even though I'm now, I'm older by a decade now than he is in those episodes, <laughs> but I still look at him and I go, oh, that's a grown up. That's an adult, yeah. you know? And I look at like Chris Pine, who again was Shatner's age and older, you know, at, when he was doing his Star Trek movies. And for some reason, I'm like, I mean, I, and I really like his version of Kirk, but I'm just like, he doesn't seem as grown up yeah. as Shatner's version did. You know, it's just, there's something about the way the, you know, the, the presentation and the performance style, um, you know, so uh, yeah, it's, it's an adjustment that I think you always have to make when you're watching something from 50 years ago and then you watch something from today. It's, yeah. it's a different style. It just, it reminded me that you saying that, that there was a tweet I saw the other day, which was like, if you're familiar with the Mission Impossible movies, Tom Cruise now is older than John Voight was in the first Mission Impossible movie. And yeah, it's so Doesn't that weird. just blow your mind? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so strange. That's got to actually rewatched that first movie a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so it's really fresh in my mind. Um, yeah. That is just, yeah. But I suppose we also, all of us, we grew up watching teenagers on television who are all in their early 30s. And, That's true. You know, everyone gets aged up a little bit. And then so when you have someone playing more or less their own age, they're like, no, I don't know. That's a bit young because I, I, I felt the same thing. I thought, you know, Mia Kirshner does, does not look old enough to have a child of Spock's age. Uh, yeah. And we would be right, I presume. Uh, but, Probably, uh, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. 
But that, that's the weird thing about like film and TV is that it can be the the most made up world imaginable. It can be space aliens fighting superheroes. But if if the mom looks slightly younger than you think she would, your your brain goes something's not right here. It's it's so weird <laughs> how that works. She gave me Jennifer Coolidge vibes as well, which I think is why the SNL thing came back more. I was like, <laughs> I imagined her being his mum for a second, and I was like, that would be very funny. That would be very interesting casting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jennifer Coolidge learning how to mask her pain on Vulcan. <laughs> she could she could be Spock's uh, aunt. She could be like Amanda's sister, and she can come in next season for the wacky Spock <laughs> episode. If we're if we're gonna if we're gonna do a wacky Spock episode every year, you know what yeah. I mean? Which I am completely yeah, I'm completely in favor of that if they're all if they're all going to be as good as they have been so far. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, that that's the other thing that people brought up a lot is that, and it's around the whole discussion of you know it's a limited sort of amount of episodes now, uh, which is why every episode is sort of focused on one character, which is another thing I sort of want to get into a bit later on. But I think people are more are less forgiving with a sort of a more light-hearted silly episode with this kind of you know the episode is this that's what we're doing have fun where if there was 22 episodes 26 episodes then we're, we're like okay cool a fun one in between all these other ones and i'm not saying i agree i'm just saying i think people are like oh well i've only got a limited amount of episodes of this series i don't want to have my time wasted um inverted commas uh with a, a silly one um I don't agree. I think if it's fun, it's fun. But I can see why people, I think, are fed up with that sort of thing. I mean, I say as long as it's good. Mm -hmm. As long as it's a good episode, what are you complaining about? I mean, now if <clears throat> if someone now if someone says they didn't like the episode, then that's fair. They're like, well, I didn't like that one, and I feel like it was a waste of one of their ten episodes to do that show that I didn't like. But if they're saying, well, that was a good episode, but they shouldn't do silly episodes, what are yeah. you complaining about? You just said you liked the episode, you know. <laughs> like you're complaining about a good episode because you think they did the wrong good episode that just doesn't yeah. make that doesn't make sense to me no yeah like i i i agree with you both and i i think as well tom to your point that like when there was 26 episodes a season um it felt i don't know maybe felt like there was less risk mm -hmm. in in doing a comedy episode and sometimes they pay off and sometimes they don't um yeah and when you're, you're hyper I've got 10 episodes. This will be the silly one. Next week will be the, the Xenomorphs return. I mean, the Gorn return. And uh, uh, But it's it's working. It's working so far. Because um, Star Trek, when it does silly, even though it's had silly since the 60s, it feels strange almost. It's like, oh, mm -hmm. oh we're doing a comedy. Yeah, I'm just going to add it to the list of the other 40 or 50 comedy episodes over there. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, that was my one of my points in our 250k special videos that we did is that I loved the lighthearted, sillier episodes. My favorite episodes are the hollow sweet ones, the when they play baseball and DS9, etc., mm -hmm. etc. Cetera, et cetera. Like th that, that's what I like. I like having these serious sci-fi characters and then taking them out and seeing how those characters work in a silly setting. That's what I I get a lot of fun out of. So. I'm always I'm always up for this sort of episode, and especially yeah, the episode before, I'm, which was my favorite so far this season. And I know a lot of people didn't, but compared to that one, this was a lot less dark, which I think is a nice contrast. I'm really grateful that this producers of Strange New Worlds are leaning into the silly episodes as hard as they are. I mean, because it, I mean, it is mostly a fairly serious show so far. I mean, we get 10 episodes and probably eight of them are fairly straightforward, classic Star Trek stuff. And then you get to, you know, so far, like maybe two sort of offbeat wacky episodes per season um 
And I assume the next one this season will be the Lower Decks crossover. And that'll be our two wacky episodes for, you know, uh, season two. Um, and I, because, I, you know, as much as I love Discovery and uh, have come to really, really appreciate and cherish that show for all of its flaws and all of its ups and downs and, and you know, blemishes um, and things it does that make me go, oh, God, why can't you figure this out after four years? Um, but like they don't really they haven't really done like a, a flat out just silly episode. Hmm. And Strange New Worlds has done like three of them at this point in 15 episodes. And and that's and I, I'm glad that they are feeling confident enough to do that because Classic Trek had so many episodes that were just flat out goofy, some of which were great, some of which were not so great. But they they were willing to say, let's do an episode where, you know, uh, they go to a, a, a planet where there's Alice in Wonderland characters running around and it's the 1960s. So it's just going to be a guy in an Easter Bunny costume from the mall. You know what I mean? And we're going to say that that's part of this world. Like, I love that. Um, and, you know, TNG did some episodes like that. DS9 did some episodes like that. Voyager did some episodes like that. And I and even Enterprise did, you know, there were some episodes that had a very wacky kind of goofy tone to them. And I don't want Star Trek to do that like every single week. But if they do it and they pull it off, I mean, I think that's an important it's it's important to remind us that we don't have to take this stuff so seriously. Mm-hmm. Like this is Star Trek. And yes, it's it has important things to say hopefully about the world. And yes, it, it tells us stories that we get involved in and it shows us characters that we can come to care about, but it, it, you know, let's not fall into treating this like, you know, it's that serious because it's not, it can be silly too. And that's completely fine. Yeah. Well, my, my favorite TV show ever, which I'm sorry, everyone to say isn't a Star Trek thing. My favorite TV show ever is Deadwood. And it's such uh it's so, it's such an adult show. It's so, there's so many dark themes. There's so many just horrific things that happen in it. But it's one of the funniest thing shows I've ever seen. And like you can have both. If the writing is there, you can have both. You know, and I, th- I think that's the big issue with Discovery is the writing doesn't go to that level. It's you know we're doing serious sci-fi and that's it. It's like well, you could have so much more weaved into this as well. Sean looks sad that we're, we're, we're talking oh, no, no, bad no, no, about no. Discovery. Just- I love like I love Discovery. I I love Discovery. I mean, I have that exact T-shirt in my in my drawer. So, and I have another I have another Disco shirt too. I mean, I love Discovery. So, yeah. No, I, th- I think we're on the same page. Basically, I'm I'm just agreeing. I mean, I I hope for the next season of Discovery. I, I'm very much on the topic of this as well. Of that, knowing now what we do, that I hope they just have as much fun as they can. Now, mm-hmm. that fun might look like something serious, but have fun you know kind of maybe let's not have the universe about to explode every episode uh, <laughs> for the third year in a row for the third year in a row it's like yeah. you know what let's, we're taking this year off um, <laughs> <laughs> let someone else take care of the universe this time so it makes me think of that uh, if we go back to all the years to uh, Buffy's third season there's an episode where um, there's another apocalypse but we don't see it because we follow Xander for the whole it's, episode yeah. And he's hanging out and he gets into his own hijinks. And, you know, you kind of tangentially, you see all these big, massive apocalyptic scenes. I'd love something like that. You know, yeah. it's like, actually, it's yeah. the wonderful world of Tilly and the cadets. Um, uh, like, you know, was that Earth exploding? Uh, sorry, I don't think that's part of the driving test. If you could just keep going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
just things that just let I love it when the show lets a little bit of air out of the balloon, you know, mm-hmm. like just, hey, we it it's 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 goofy. OK, like we we want you to take it seriously most of the time, but let's all remember how goofy this is. OK, <laughs> I have I have a couple of more things to sort of pick at it, but it's more at the show in general that this episode made me think of when watching it. So I'll start with something good. Uh, I liked the montage at the beginning, there was that cool montage with, was it Nurse Chapel, where she's, yes. she sits down and does a few things, it's like cutting between. I thought that was great. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, and, and I like the way they they did the uh, the Spock montage as well that they used to to establish, mm. you know, how, how he's different when he becomes human, you know, where they, they go back and re-hit the same beats that we saw of his sort of day in the life thing, but now he's human, and now he's going to kill <laughs> yeah. you know sam kirk for not cleaning up his crumbs <laughs> i love that i love uh, because i was so with him there i was like that yeah. would annoy me too just get Clean rid up. of it first of all why are you eating at a meeting mm. yeah second of yeah what's all, going on you're at work you're on duty you know second of all i mean and I, I pike doesn't seem like that much of a taskmaster like i'm sure if sam wanted to stop for a snack like after the meeting i'm not i'm, I'm pretty sure he wouldn't get fired <laughs> you know so just yeah. wait just wait till the meeting's over dude oh uh, yeah i was totally with spock on that one this episode is why he gets sent to the amoeba planet <laughs> this is the this is this is what ends up with his tragic death spock yeah. sends him off like he was i told him not not to eat at the table. I told him if he was going to to clean up, he refused to listen. Okay, I'm sorry. It's not my fault. And that's, and that's why, if you go back to that episode, you'll know that Spock gets attacked by the Amoebas, and he's fine. So <laughs> I'm surprised of how much I like Spock in this series. I honestly, when when Spock came back in Star Trek in the new Star Trek, I was like, fine. I didn't really pay much attention to it, but at this point, I'm like, I actually. I really enjoy it and I like when he's on screen. He's one of my favorite parts of the show. I mean, I uh, I was talking with my friend Jason about it a couple of weeks ago because Jason and I have a disagreement over Ortegas because I think Ortegas is one of the best parts of the show. And Jason is like, who is she? What's her backstory? Why don't you know? Why, why does she just sit there and, you know, you know, Quit. like be a smart aleck to the captain? Why do you yeah. know? And I'm like, I don't I don't care. I don't need to know where she was born. I don't need to know where she went to high school. I don't need to know what her parents did for a living. I'm looking at her in the scenes in the moment. And I think she's great. Um, but and I, I at one point I said, like, you know, she's like my second favorite character in the show. And he said, really? More than Spock? And I was like, yeah, OK. I can't I can't put her ahead of Spock because I do I really love um Ethan Peck's Spock. And he's what and yeah, he he grew on me. When he first came in in season two of Discovery, I was like, I just I don't know about this. Yeah. You know, but it's after maybe uh, <laughs> but after like two episodes, he completely had me. After uh, you know, I was like, you know what? I I I I dig this version of Spock. I see what he's doing. And, you know, he deserves the space to do it his way. And to show us his interpretation of Spock. And yeah, he's fantastic. And again, his comic timing in this episode is mm-hmm. stunning, is amazing. He is so funny. And then yeah, Pedro Vanson Mount as well. Like his oh Pike's God. just expressions trying to stay out of the way, but then Pike's see- yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pike's reactions too. Pike's yeah. reactions. His just the is just drop dead and hilarious. It's great. Like he almost stole the episode. I, I like there and there's scenes yeah. where he does steal the scene. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we were talking with this and Chris, and where he's coming in with the snacks, and then Spock just goes, "It must have uh, irk you that it was so me and he just turns around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "Nope." <laughs> that's that's the thing that I like though is that and we, we've talked about a bit how 
I don't really enjoy that every episode is this is about this character. I'd rather it be as much as an ensemble piece every episode is as much as they can. And, you know, it, it will be this this character is sort of leading this episode. That's fine. That's going to happen. But uh-huh. that showed how like, okay, this is a Spock episode, but look, this character's here and they're adding so much to it mm. where sometimes it's like, then they just get rid of the other characters, add those characters in however you can. And like, yes, they had, they had sort of, I, I felt like um, Una was just sort of in the montage scenes yeah, and that was it. Yeah. And it was fun, but like have her actually, present and part of the story in some way even if it's a tiny bit in the background we can do stuff with them you know i did like how the uh because i'm i'm a sucker for the episodes and pretty much any star trek show um i'm a sucker for the episodes where it's you know let's pull it together gang and help out our friend mm-hmm. you know and with with this episode it was okay spock is has accidentally been turned into a, a, a human and if we don't of course they have to introduce the ticking clock where it's like if we don't turn him back within 24 hours he'll be like this forever <laughs> and uh you know and and they introduce that at just the right time so it kind of ups the stakes and yeah, i mean it's a really well put together episode in terms of the writing and the and the plotting and and then it's you know nurse chapel going to uhura and ortegas and saying basically saying hey we need to help spock and we know that and they know too that chapel has the hots for spock and she wants to help him because she's in love with him but ortegas and uhura presumably are not also in love with Spock. Spock's just their their crewmate and their friend. And they're saying, okay, let's risk our lives and fly into this space tornado and help our friend. And I'm a sucker for that. You know, uh, I, that just al- always seems to work for me as long as I have, as long as the show has given me a reason to care about the characters, which Strange New Worlds has. As long as I care about the characters and I believe that they are actually friends and they do actually care about each other, show me a story where it's like, oh, our friend is in trouble. Let's go help him. And let's risk our lives to help him. I'm like, okay, you got me, you know. And that was I really appreciate it. And it did. And to your point, it 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 gave those three characters who are not directly tied into Spock's main plot. It gave them something important to do in the show that was relevant to what was going on with Spock, but was able to give them their own little, you know, yeah. subplot, you know, to contribute. It was a B story that was just slightly yeah. apart from the A story, so it was nice. Yeah. Okay, I just want to reel through a few of the other points before we move on. Steve, I've been saying for a while, what the, the, the my main gripe with Strange New Worlds is that we rarely get Strange New Worlds. And we've got Strange New Moon, but still, we're getting closer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could kind of see that. I mean, to me, that's sort of like a like a a pre expectation, you know. Yeah. Um, and I'm I I don't really. I mean, look, I love I I love episodes of of every Star Trek show where that's the plot, where it's ship shows up at a new planet, you know, crew meets new people on the planet, hijinks ensue, you know, mm-hmm. they get in trouble, they get out of trouble. Or in the classic Star Trek, it was Captain Kirk decides there's something wrong with the way this society is. He <laughs> yeah. blows up that society and then leaves and never comes back. <laughs> he reads <laughs> them the constitution. <laughs> yeah, he, he reads them the constitution or he blows up the computer that runs everything. And he's like, you're welcome. Bye. And then yeah. uh, they're like, you don't have a plan B for us. It's just <laughs> you, you got rid of our bad society that we had. And now we just have nothing to fall back. On. OK, thanks, I guess. You went back to worshipping Landrew. Like, what were we supposed to do? Oh, exactly. Yeah. But like, I love. So, I, I mean, that's like meat and potatoes, Star Trek. I love mm-hmm. those episodes. But like I've said, kind of about the uh you know the funny episodes as long as it's good i don't care i mean yeah in theory it would be nice to have more 
classic Star Trek episodes where it's Captain's Log. We just showed up at this planet. Let's see what happens, you know, and, and, and that's the opening of the show. But as long as it's good, I'm along for the ride, you know. I mean, it was kind of it was a strange world we've been to once before last week. Yeah, that's what, <laughs> you know? that was the title of our last podcast episode. It was it was yeah. what do we call it? Uh, strange old world is what we call it. Yeah, we'd already been there. It, and you know, it's it ties into Pike's backstory and gives him something to feel guilty about. But for the yeah. most part, but other than that, it's you know, it's a strange new world. It's we've never been here before. You know, that's true. And they yeah. did a few episodes in the pre. They did a few episodes in the previous season that were like that. Um, you know, where it's, hey, what's the deal with this place? Oh, it runs on the misery of a child. Awesome. Bye. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, you know, one of my favorite Star Trek episodes ever. Uh, <laughs> just you know, the funniest um, plot points of all. Like, hello, your kids and Energizer battery, and it's time to change it. <laughs> yeah. So the the last thing I want to bring up is just something I sort of realized when I was watching it. I was enjoying it. Like I said, I had a good time with this episode. But I was all, I'm was i always trying to figure out what is the thing about Strange New Worlds that doesn't 100% click with me. And I think what it is, is that it's a warm show that feels cold rather than Star Trek, which I think is a cold show that feels warm. Um, and, and what I mean by that is that I think it's presented as a warm show and, 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 and not just the actual colours of it, but everything. Um, the, uh, and, and it doesn't come across to that like that to me it comes across quite cold just the way the cinematography is the way that the acting everything comes together in, in a slightly like in a in a slightly cold way which star trek is but normally the brightness comes through it is, is this making sense yeah i think so i think i see i i don't think i agree but i see what you're saying yeah um it it's sort of like i, I i've seen people who who seem to not, who just seem to just not like the show. Um, and one of the, the things that I see people say a lot is, you know, well, how comes everybody is so emotional and how comes everybody is so touchy feely and how comes Pike is, you know, so this, and it's like, that's, that's this show, you mm -hmm. know, like, I feel like, and I'm not saying that you're doing this cause I do think it's a really interesting observation. Um, and I, and I think I see what you mean, but I feel like there's sort of an expectation among certain people and which is understandable to an extent because we've had Star Trek for, you know, over 50 years and it's not, I mean, it has been wildly different, you yeah. know, from, yeah. from show to show and movie to movie. It's not like Strange New Worlds is the first one to be like, we're doing something different. Mm -hmm. Hope that's okay. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it does have a different tone to it in terms of the character interactions. There is um a more casual feel to the way the crew are with each other than there was on certainly on picard's enterprise in the early seasons i mean in the first couple of seasons like it felt like all oh, these guys you know picard is pretty strict and if they you know like they like each other but they're at work and it's this is the way yeah. it is you know um and pike's enterprise seems a lot more relaxed and pike himself one of the things that i've talked about in my videos about it that i really like about the show and that i really like about pike is he seems that you can see that he genuinely cares about the people on his ship mm -hmm. um with, with kirk you got the sense that you know he wanted to protect his people and his ship out of a sense of duty and responsibility i'm the captain these are my people i have to keep them safe um with pike it feels like it goes beyond that with pike it feels like he really cares about these people as people as friends as people that he feels responsible for not just out of duty but out of compassion and you know out of like a a, a very human feeling 
And and that is a little different uh, for Star Trek captains, but I don't mind that. And I think it and I think Pike being that way kind of sets the tone for the rest of the show. There, there is a lot more I want to speak about this, but I've just noticed the time and we've got to, we've got to get moving. So let's <laughs> rate the episode and then we'll move on. So out of 10, Sean or Steve, who wants to go first? What are you going to give this episode? I'll go eight out of 10 fake Spock ears. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Uh, Joe, I'm eight out of 10 as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, uh, mine's lower, but for, so Steve probably doesn't know how my ratings have been so far. The highest one I've rated, which is my favorite episode so far, was the last episode, which I rated a seven. Uh, this is probably a strong six for me, which I still think is good. Anything above a five for me is good. And it, it was a strong six. That's high praise. That is high praise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. Um, there was no point when I was bored. There was no point where I was yeah. wishing that I could fast forward through it. When it finished, I was like, great, good episode. You know, nothing blew me away, but I had fun. So strong six. Well done. Did did Martin, sorry, our editor Martin have been has been trying to guess my things every week. Has he guessed this one? This time he literally said he can't call it because <laughs> it's 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 good, it's great, but then you never know because um hmm. hmm. Oh excuse me. Six. Hey. Hey. I was thinking back to last week's. Yeah, I don't yeah. think it's seven material. I think he'll like the premise of Spock losing his Vulcan half, but I don't think he'll be super pleased with the execution. I'm a go six. He's getting good at this. He, he was getting so fed up that he couldn't figure it out, but he's starting to work out my brain. Absolutely. Spock's brain, you could say. Uh, <laughs> hey. For over two centuries... You're listening to the Federation News Network. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. So obviously at this point of the episode, we move on to the news. And I think at the moment, like the the biggest news that's happened is, of course, the passing of Manny Cotto. Um, so mm-hmm. um, anyone uh, listening along uh, perhaps might not know, Manny Cotto um, worked in with Star Trek Enterprise uh, through its third and fourth seasons, taking over as the showrunner for the fourth season, uh, which 
you know, I, I think a lot of people agree that the, the quality of the show had continued to rise, particularly in seasons three and four. Um, and a lot of that has been attributed to his leadership. I was lucky enough to actually uh, speak with him uh, early or middle. Oh, amazing. Yeah, he he uh, came on a podcast with us and it was just it was just great just chatting away, catching up about everything. You know, we, we talked about how the dust had settled uh, over because uh, we, we joked about this, uh, his his year, his showrunner year, you know, everyone says it's so good, it's so good, dot, dot, dot. And then these are the voyages. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was he happy to talk about that then? Oh, he was, he was, he was fine. Yeah, no, he was fine. Because again, I, I think it's not quite as uh, fresh. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he was a good sport. He was a good sport. And one thing I meant to, I really wanted to share is that on the course of the call, uh, the episode of Prodigy had just aired with O'Connor and the Zindi reptilians. Um, and he was absolutely tickle pink by the fact that the Zindi had shown up again in Star Trek Prodigy, that he, he hadn't had a chance to see it before that. So he was just like, it was, it was really funny. He was like, what? Really? Oh my God, that's brilliant. You know, it was, it was lovely. So, I mean, it goes without saying, gone way too soon. I'll tell you what he did to Enterprise that I thought was important, um, because I'm I'm a little bit of a contrary, and I'm not as big of a fan as season four as a lot of people are. But I'll tell you what he did in season four that was really important to that show is he imposed a stable, coherent vision for what the show was, which was a problem with Enterprise from the very beginning, because Enterprise, for me, has ups and downs, you know, it's a little bit like Discovery, only more so, you know, where it's like there are times when I really like this show, there are times when I don't like this show or I don't care about what's going on in this show, but it doesn't feel like this show has an identity. What is this show? What is it trying to say? What is its style? What is it about? You know, what is what is its version of Star Trek? And it feels like finally in season four, Manny Cotto comes in and says, okay, this is the show. And it, and it, and that season, even though, again, I'm not as a big a fan of that season as a lot of people, it feels consistent. It feels coherent. It feels like, okay, no, this is the show. And that's super important. And it's too bad that the show didn't get that kind of consistency until its last year. You know, if that had happened, I mean, ideally it happens in season one, <laughs> but... But if it had happened in season two, you know, or, or even season three, where they where they retooled it and said it's going to be twenty four in space, and then they said never mind, you know, he he gave it a consistency in season four, which I really really appreciated, and he ended the temporal cold war, which I also appreciate. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> three years too late, but hey, at least he said we're not doing that anymore. Nope, that's done. Okay, thank you, Manny. I appreciate it. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't know. How much, you know, I'm, I'm glad to hear that he was a good sport about it when you talk to him about it, because, I mean, I'm not sure how much blame he personally deserves for these are the voyages. I mean, it's one of those things where, like, as an episode, as written, it's not terrible, but it's just so mind boggling that they said, let's make this the last episode and yeah. the choices they made. Let, let's make this. This is the last episode we're ever going to do of this show. Let's make it about Riker. What? <laughs> yeah, that's not even a, in the show. No, we'll that, make it about Riker. It'll be a holodeck program for the last episode ever. Yeah, 
That's a mid-season episode if I've ever, if I've ever yeah. seen. Yeah, that, that's the thing. That's that. That's been my thought about it for years. If that was like a mid-season episode, and it was like, oh, here's a fun way to have you know to get Jonathan Frakes his cameo, right? Mm. It's like, yeah, sure, let's do it. Screw it. It's not the best episode, but it's not the worst episode, and it's clever, and it is what it is. But it's like, no, wait a minute, you're not making any more after this. Like this is the last episode. Okay, you sure? You sure? And it's just, it's always, I've always felt that way about it. And I don't know if that was like a Rick Berman decision, you know, and Manny and the writers just kind of had to do the best they could with it or what. But yeah, it definitely feels like, I do think that's a good way to describe it. There was season four and then there was the last episode. And it's like, what? What happened with that? <laughs> you know? The of season four is really good. It's called Demons and Terra Prime, uh, right? Yeah, I, which I, is a good is a good two parter, and is is would you know if that was uh, that doesn't quite work as a series finale either, but as a season finale, that would have been perfectly fine. That's a really strong way to finish it, you know. It also it it was. I'm not sure where in the trend it was, but Manny had a, a tendency to cast Peter Weller in things. You know, he turned up again in 24 at least. Uh, and of yeah. course, you know, it was his, yeah, it was his first time in Star Trek then. And of course, he would return for Star Trek Into Darkness. Into I mean, Darkness, when Peter yeah. Weller walks on screen in Star Trek, it's just like, bad guy. I mean, I'm oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, he's he's not going to be the new captain of the Enterprise. Like, you can guess that. It's like, no, that's, yeah. Somebody's going to have to kill him or something at some point. <laughs> I, I completely agree. He gave it a vision. Um, and like every single vision, oops, you know, it has its the bits that work, its bit that doesn't. Um, and yeah, it's, 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 it's a very straight way. Cause again, he was quite young. I mean, he's early sixties. And I think, um, it was, a uh, for due to pancreatic cancer. Um, and it was, and also I believe he'd been quite private about his diagnosis as well, which is again, why it was sort of as much of a shock as it was. He, he will definitely be remembered by Trekkies for yeah. sure. And it, it, that sort of thing, when it's a surprise as well, it definitely leads to a sudden sort of spread of celebration for his the the person's work. That I think is always a nice thing to happen. So I, I'll definitely um, I'll link the if you send me the the link, I'll link the podcast view guys in the uh, description for this for this podcast if you like. Perfect. Thank you very much. I just think I think now, obviously, more than ever, it's just a nice a nice hour getting to hear his thoughts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I believe Sean. If you are, if you want to get the hand above the button at the ready, it is time to play Cargo Bay 101. Welcome now to the section of the podcast, which is quite frankly against most Starfleet regulations, that we take something that our guest has chosen to be removed from Star Trek forever. We put it into Cargo Bay 101. We disengage all safety precautions and we stand there with our hand over the button ready to, if we all agree, flush this thing out into space. Or if we all disagree, pull our editorial powers and turn all the force fields back on again. So, Mr. Shines, what yes, sir. do you have for Cargo Bay 101 for us this week? I'm super curious how this is going to go because I feel like it could go either way with you two. Although I, I, I'm leaning in one particular direction. Um, my choice would be to get rid of the official canonical explanation for why the Klingons' foreheads are different. Interesting. Very interesting. Okay. Because for a couple reasons. First of all, I feel like it sets a bad precedent of using the TV show 
to explain things that don't need to be explained because we all know why the foreheads of Klingons look different mm -hmm. because it was a production issue because they looked different in the 60s because that was the makeup they had. And then when they made the movies and Gene Roddenberry had some money to spend, he said, let's make the Klingons look different. So that's how they looked. End of story. <laughs> yeah. you know? um, and so it sets a bad precedent for to me anyway, sets a bad precedent, given my my philosophy of how the show should be. Um, and it's kind of it's kind of redundant because we already explained it perfectly well in Deep Space Nine. When yeah. they when they did the they Forrest Gump themselves into trouble with Tribbles. Mm -hmm. And there's that great scene in the bar at K7 where it's, you know, Bashir and, and Odo and uh, O'Brien and Worf as a post movies style Klingon with a bumpy forehead. And they see all these classic Trek Klingons that just look like normal people with, you know, grease paint on their faces. And they're like, those are Klingons. What's the deal? And Worf just kind of groans and says, it's a long story and we don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Perfect. You don't need to acknowledge it anymore. And for some reason, apparently, probably Manny Cotto, unfortunately, after we've just said, we've just said very kind things about him, said, hey, I know what we'll do. We'll spend two episodes of our last season explaining why the Klingons have bumpy foreheads now. Um, or why they, or more specifically, why they didn't have bumpy foreheads for a little while, because now we've established that they had bumpy foreheads in Enterprise and they had them after Enterprise. <laughs> they just didn't have them for this little interval for, for classic Trek. And what's the deal with that? Here's why. So I just, you know, it's the kind of thing that I'm just like, we don't need to talk about this in the show. We all know why. It's like, why not do an episode that explains why Pike has such massive quarters in in Strange New Worlds and Kirk has just a little tiny cabin when it's the same ship. We know what the reason is. It's a different show. They made it different. You know, yeah. I don't need to see like, oh, we're actually going to refit the Enterprise in the last in the last episode of Strange New Worlds. We're going to refit it and completely gut the interior and make it look just like this. What do you think? We don't need that. You know, so anyway, do, do you know what? I'm I'm torn because I completely agree with the theory. I don't, I don't, we, we don't need to over explain everything. We don't need to, you know, spend time going, you know, and, and all of us together, we go, well, in this episode, they said this, but then in this episode, they said that it's, it's, it's part of the job. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, same thing. Why are the discovery Klingons different? Well, because they wanted to make the show look different. There you go. That's, right. that's it. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, but how do they relate to? Well, they don't. There you go. <laughs> exactly. They don't. You know? It's uh, a different show. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Now the bit where I'm torn is that I actually really like the two-parter. Ah. Uh, in Enterprise, I think uh, Billingsley's brilliant in it. Uh, I really like John Shuck returning, uh, and also it's got Uncle Phil. Uncle Phil is a Klingon. I know. I'll tell you something that I like about that two-parter because I'm. I don't think that. I don't think the episodes are bad necessarily. I just don't think they're good enough to, to to get over my itch about why they have to explain why the Klingons look different. Um, you know, I think it's fine. But I tell you what, it, what I like about it. It it's it was written by Judith and Garfield Reeve Stevens. Um, yeah. And if you have read, if anybody has read their novels, because they're mostly known as Star Trek novelists, and if anybody has read their novels. And then you watch this episode or these this two parter and you don't know that they wrote it, you can tell that they wrote it like it just it clearly there's that the uh, the bit at the beginning, I think it's at the beginning of part two where trip has to go from one ship to the other at warp speed. 
where he's on the Columbia and then he has to get back onto the Enterprise and he has to like do a spacewalk between them while they're traveling at warp. I'm like, that's totally a Judith and Garfield Reeve Stevenson because they always have these. They always they always come up with these like elaborate, like crazy space scenes in their books. Like there's a scene in they they wrote a novel called Federation that includes a scene where the where the Enterprise D uh, rams a Romulan warbird and decapitates it <laughs> like it, it cuts the, the head off of. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's totally one of their scenes, you know, because they would always do like elaborate space stuff like that. So I do like that part of it. I'm strangely I'm on the same wave as 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 uh, Sean. I, I I am also torn. Um, you, you've got us to agree somehow, Steve. So well done. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, to agree that you don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, we don't have a clue. Um, <laughs> We're agreeing on the wrong thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I too really like those episodes, and I, I do think it's cool. At the same time, it is needless to explain every single detail and every single change, as we've as we've already explained. Um, and I think it's something that Star Trek does a lot, especially the more Star Trek they make, we make, the more showrunners are like, actually, this is why this thing is slightly different because this reason, and it's like, we get it, you're, it's a new show, do what you want. But also at the same time, it would it, we, we would run out of things to talk about on our YouTube shows that is how we make money by explaining these things <laughs> that these people make up. Because it, on so many comments and so many videos, people just go, uh, you do realize Star Trek isn't real. And I'm like, yes, I know. But the point of our show is what? to talk about what they've made up in the show. <laughs> well, and I mean, and obviously I have no problem with talking about it, you know, yeah. in on shows like this. Like, I mean, you're because I'm in the same boat. Like I make videos about Star Trek where I, I mean, I usually focus more on like th thematic stuff, but I've made videos before. Like I made videos about like, um, it, which has actually now been canonically handled as well in Strange New Worlds. I made a video a few years ago about like, well, when when did the eugenics wars happen anyway? Because mm -hmm. it's, you know, there's been inconsistent yeah. you know dealings of it and and my ultimate conclusion was it doesn't matter we like whatever whatever show you're watching whatever yeah. that whenever that says they happen that's when they happened you know it's 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 a tv show um but i so i've talked about stuff like that too and i think it's fine to talk about it in the context of like a podcast or a video essay or just hanging out with your friends and talking yeah, about yeah. star trek and you know i just don't want them to waste time on the actual show dealing with it it's like mm -hmm. let let the nerds handle that, <laughs> you yeah. know. Like you you're you're actually making the show. Tell stories. Tell stories about characters yeah. that are about things. Don't don't need don't feel the need to. Well, you know, here's why Worf's forehead is slightly different in season one. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. Leave headcanon <laughs> you know? to our heads. You know, don't yeah, make, exactly. Don't make TV exactly. shows of it. <laughs> exactly. I would have to agree with that logic. So I think I'm going to. If I have to come down on one side of the argument, I will come down on goodbye in-world explanation i think i think fundamentally i agree with what you're saying it would be a shame to lose those episodes but i'm willing to to risk that for the for the better the betterment of mankind of not of not to keep doing it so <laughs> i think we've got to get rid of it <laughs> all right okay with that in mind i am gonna slam my hand down on the decompress button if you're in the cargo bay 101 right now you can't say you weren't warned
I am opening hailing frequencies with some questions from Twitter. Remember, guys, if you want to ask us future questions, make sure you send a question on hashtag Ask Trek Culture on Twitter, and we might feature them in future episodes. We have a few questions from people that have asked questions already. It's mostly the same few people, so thank you to those people. Uh, you're keeping this segment afloat. Uh, but <laughs> if you want to get mentioned at the end of our podcast, then please ask us a question. I'm going to start with uh, one of one of the classics. It's at Wayne Voto or Voto. I'm not sure. Uh, here it is for ask uh, hashtag Ask Trek Culture. What would you name a ship and why a starship? I should say. Um, well, I think we should probably go with the Koto this week. That's actually yeah a good idea and very nice and keeping in theme. Smart. I haven't got a clue. I always liked. I I I wrote a sci-fi story when I was a like a a preteen. It wasn't a Star Trek story. It was like a different. It was my own thing I made up. Um, and the ship in that was called the Daedalus. And I've always for some. I think there might have been a Star Trek ship that was mentioned in like the background of an episode or something that was called the USS Daedalus, but it's never been super important. But I've always liked that. I just like the way it sounds. It sounds important. You know, oh, that's the captain of the Daedalus. Ooh, mm, you know, yeah, so. that screams sci-fi instantly. So it's it sounds yeah yeah. Um, it's all. I always think um, in Blade Runner how they call them replicants. I, I get annoyed when someone uses a thing. That I'm like, oh, that's such a good thing. I wish I could use that in something, but it's been done already. I think replicants are so just instantly like, oh yeah. yeah. Okay, this one is from at tourist Cole. Oh yeah, hey, yeah. And they are correcting a question they asked previously that they got slightly wrong, where they asked about the Orions, but they actually meant the Deltons, asking about uh, how underutilized they are. I guess us explaining why they're underutilized or how much of a shame it is or how they could be used more. Actually, because we last got the Deltons the start of Picard season two, um, Soji has gone off on the rounds of making everyone love the synths again, and they go to not the Delton homeworld, but a Delton colony world. Um, right. It's just, I suppose, it's not that I have no interest in seeing them again. It's just like, what do you do with them? Like in the motion picture, you had basically Troy Mark One in the yeah, form of yeah. Leah, and, you know, all the Deltons are super appealing to everyone, but... Don't worry, because we're going to take time out of our multi-million dollar film to make sure that you know that her vow of celibacy is on record. Yeah. <laughs> it, it would be interesting to see how they do them now, because it definitely came out of a very horny 70s sci-fi world. Are they going to yeah. give us a, actually, the Delphins are different now because blah, 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 or are they going to just do them slightly differently? Well, they pretty much aren't, because again, that outside of Picard, one of them comes up to Jurati. And basically uses fancy sci-fi speech for get your coat. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's been like, all right. So we were talking about consistency earlier on in this episode. Well, the Deltons are consistent. You can't say that. You can't say they're not. Yeah. I mean, they're kind of like if I'm not someone who who, you know, wishes that we would see aliens again. Like I just that's not my method of engaging with the show. Like I don't think like, oh, I wonder what the Deltons are up to. Like, I'm interested in in the story and the characters. But the Deltons are kind of one of those things where they've they've been introduced and they've been mentioned once or twice, and we kind of know what their deal is. But other than that, they're kind of a blank slate. So like as to, you know, what why haven't they been used more or what would they what would what would the story be if they came back if they were featured again like someone would have to write that story 
because mm. there's really nothing that automatically suggests itself because we don't know enough about them. And we've, you know, there's only maybe one or two Delton characters that have even had a line in a Star Trek show. So like it's a, it's a blank slate, you know, it's like what the Klingons were when they, when they did the movies, it's like the Klingons were in a handful of TOS episodes and you kind of, you get the deal, you know what, you know, the deal with them, but there's, you know, an endless expanse of blank paper where you're like, well, what else do we do with them? Do we want to bring them back? What's their story? And then somebody had to make that up. So, you know, if somebody has a great idea for the Deltons, by all means, <laughs> you know, let's see it. But I don't know what it would be. Maybe it's a, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, see, if you familiar with Torchwood? I've seen one or two of them. Yeah, I'm, I've kind of, I've, I've made several attempts to, to watch the new Doctor Who and I've liked it, but I keep end up, I, I always end up getting distracted by something else. So I haven't dove, dived into it quite as much as I would like to. Understandable. It's, it, it's a lot. And this actually, there is an episode of Torchwood, which I think would suit the Deltons for like a twist on them really well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know exactly. I know. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think it's like episode three of the first season. So we're still very much learning what this show is. And it turns out there's an alien who gets their life force of power from the orgasms of people they sleep with. But unfortunately, it kills them. And I think that would be a good twist on the Deltons. That's why the yeah. celibacy is on record. Like you can serve on yeah, a ship, yeah. but you can't go around killing the crew. <laughs> I actually really like that. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. Um, and then and then they try and do it with Data. And what happens then? Oh, Data's immune. Lieutenant <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Commander Data, you're being reassigned. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that is everyone. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening along. Um, just before I go on again, just once more from ourselves here on the pod, just uh, a very, uh, our condolences to Manny Cotto's family and uh, our thoughts are with them at this time. Uh, Steve, thank you so, so much for joining us. Uh, this was a long time coming and hopefully we won't leave it as long again. Um, where can everyone find you? Uh, people can find me at youtube.com slash Steve Shives, where you can see me make videos about all kinds of things and you can see more of me than you would ever possibly want to see. Um, and you can also hear me on a couple of podcasts that are part of the let me listen family of podcasts. And you can just Google uh, the ensigns log, which is the star Trek themed improv comedy podcast that I'm on alongside my friends, uh, Jason Harding and Dana Cole, and also late seating the movie review podcast that Jason and I do every two weeks. So there you go. That's where you can find me. Excellent. Cool, cool, cool. Um, I will make sure to listen to all of those at all times. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> listen to every episode of all of them and get back to me. Simultaneously as well. Yes. Brilliant. Uh, Tom Meowflower, where do we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Tom C. Finn, or if you type in Tom Roberts Finn, you should be able to find me too. I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, and you'll find me on Trek Culture videos, Eve editing them or presenting them. Uh, if not that, future episodes of this podcast, hopefully it's doing well. People are listening. So thank you for that. Thank you for sending your questions. Please like, share, subscribe, all those things. Ask questions. Keep me in a job, please, before AI takes over the world. <laughs> and thanks again, Steve, for coming on. It's nice to meet you. And I would love to do more of these episodes with you if you're willing to come back. You don't have to answer that now. I'm not pressuring you to anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee, I don't know. No, I would love to come back. I, this was great. I would love to come back. 
Wonderful. And Sean, where can we find you? Uh, well, you can find me at Sean Ferrick on the various socials. Uh, and of course, please don't forget to follow at Triculture on Twitter, at TriCultureYT on Instagram. And what else do we have? Well, yes, we can find this podcast on Acast. And um, uh, at this, it's, it's hard. Oh, we're on Blue Sky as well, at Triculture on Blue Sky. So there's there's, there's that too. Honestly, there just needs to be, we'll, we'll just do a LinkedIn Right, and then that's, <laughs> not even a link tree, a LinkedIn. LinkedIn, it's going to be that, right? Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much, everyone, for following along. You've been wonderful. This has been so much fun. Steve has been an absolute legend, and Tom, you're pretty cool as well. I'll take it. I'll take anything I can get. Honestly, <laughs> cheers. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.